0: This morning, I'm going to speak on, in the meantime, what will you do? Look at your neighbor and say, in the meantime, what will you do? What will you do while you're waiting on the promise? What will you do while you're waiting for God to finish some things? What will you do? Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, welcoming you, Holy Spirit, into this house. Speak into my brothers and sisters' ears, even what I do not say. Come and do what only you can do and bring the word of God that changes us. We welcome you. We receive from you. We rope our mind in and we think of nothing but your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Someone say in the meantime. I'm going to be sharing a story from the book of Luke, but a couple of verses. Luke 1, 68. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Can you say amen? Amen. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. Someone say, just as he promised. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all those who have hated us. That was the promise spoken or the declaration by Zacharias. Isaiah 30 and 18, we're speaking about in the meantime, in the in-between time. Someone say, the meantime is the in-between time. And how many know it can be a mean time when you're waiting on something? When you're hungry and you're waiting, you're hangry, and you're waiting for them to bring your food. I've waitressed for many years, and I saw people show their worst self, And what was so cool is they didn't recognize me. A lot of them were my parents' friends, but my hair was pulled back in a ponytail. Cute little brown polyester outfit and shoes and a little ponytail in the net. I'm telling you, I was looking spiffy. And they didn't recognize me. And boy, when they got hungry, they just went wild. Can I get an amen from any former server in the house? There you go. But Isaiah 30 and 18 says, but God's not finished. Someone say God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's not waiting around to punish you. He's waiting around to be gracious. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right. Someone say everything right. Then there's a dash in the message that says everything. For those who wait for him are the lucky and the blessed ones. Isaiah 13, 18. Give God a hand clap of praise. I love that God bends his heart to listen to a breaking plea. I love the God who remembers the small and forgotten. Anybody but me ever felt small or forgotten? I don't mean in size. Small because people thought you were small in your future. Come on, somebody. That's the best place for miracles. When promises really aren't even believed, God meets us right where we don't believe. When our believing runs out, God's love runs in. Someone say amen. The season of Advent, the season of Christ's coming is when the barren give birth, dreams become reality, and nothing shall be impossible with God. The story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the meantime that they lived for a long time When Zacharias gets his fulfillment, he says, God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. I love it when the light breaks forth and comes through. Don't you somebody give God a hand clap of praise. I tell you, I've said it before, but let me say it again about this wonderful thing that God does because there's a great miracle, but I want to focus on the pain before the miracle. One day before a miracle happens, it's impossible to believe it can happen. One day before God restored my marriage in 1984, a Monday in January, it was impossible to believe it could happen. But one day after it, it was impossible not to believe. Can I get an amen? The supernatural thoughtfulness of God will convince you that He is exponentially greater than you thought, more merciful than you thought, more kind, and more faithful. Give God a hand this morning. Amen. The promise started in the garden. In the meantime, someone say in the meantime, where Adam and Eve fell and the serpent tempted them just passing through there because that's where this this whole advent started and where that deception came and human race fell. And God looked at Satan and he looked at Eve and said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head but you shall crush his heel. Come on, somebody. Genesis 3 and 15. The promise started in the beginning in the garden, the war between the seed of man and the seed of the serpent. So many detours from Genesis to the book of Luke. So many obstacles, so many situations, failures, devastation. Humanity at its finest, humanity at its worst. Israel, the nation was even scattered and destroyed several times. The temple was scattered. They were exiled, but guess what? God was setting up a victory more comprehensive than anyone could imagine. And I bring to your consideration this morning. God is not looking to prop you up. God is looking to give you a testimony of divine intervention. Come on, somebody. God shows up in Luke and he gives a word that is absolutely absurd. But God doesn't check logic. God does not check your reasoning. God does not check your situation. How are you feeling today? Are you feeling victorious? God just shows up and God says, this is what shall be. Someone say hallelujah. In the book of Malachi, Brother Gerald, the Old Testament closes out with a promise that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and that a voice will come crying in the wilderness, make way for the king of kings. That was Israel's Messiah, whom we know as Jesus. Go ahead and say it, Jesus. You're like, I don't know if this is a trick question or not. (laughs) He said, I will send my messenger. When, When the book of Malachi closed, Pastor Todd will remember in seminary we had a course that's called the intertestinal period. And it's the time that you study the 400 years. Someone say 400 years when nothing was written and things went silent. God closes Malachi, Pastor Ramon saying Jesus is coming, the Messiah. But then 400 years pass. You could hear a pin drop. You could hear the tears drop. Four long centuries are silent. 600 years since Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when Luke comes on, walked through the flames. It had been 600 years since Meshach and Abednego, as I just said, walked through the fire. 800 years since Elijah and Elisha had the miracles. And then in the book of Luke, when nobody was expecting it and some people were just being faithful, God shows up. Look at your neighbor and say, God God. shows up reading from the book of luke 1 verse 5 when herod was king of judah there was a jewish priest named zacharias some translations call him zachariah he was a member of the priestly order of abijah and his wife elizabeth was also from the priestly line of aaron zacharias and elizabeth were righteous in god's eyes they were careful someone say careful Careful. come on you're going to find yourself right here to obey all the lord's commandments but they had no children they were barren but blameless because Elizabeth was unable to have children. Someone say barren but blameless. Zacharias' name means God remembers. Everyone say, God remembers. Elizabeth's name means my God is an absolutely faithful God. Leave it to a woman to get a longer name. Come on. My God. It's like titles of some church. The Church of Jesus Christ of Seven Apostles and Fourteen Little Dwarfs, you know. And sometimes I see Pastor Hank and I used to pass by church and think, whoa. Just think, we just got Church of the Harvest. They've got like 17 titles. Come on, somebody. But here's the deal. Her name was my God is an absolutely faithful one. And they're going to birth John. His name means God is gracious. But I want you to come into their pain because I want you to feel God's hope in your own life. You see, they were facing a stigma. I'll go on to read from that passage. They were facing a stigma. They were probably the talk of the dinner table. They were both priests. So, you know, sometimes church people like to talk. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, not me, not me. Sometimes the religious like to talk. Can I get an amen from that? And who knows what the religious were saying to each other at the dinner table. Oh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, wonder why God hasn't given them a child. Because in that day, in the Jewish customs and tradition, to be without a child was considered by the religious as a curse. So I'm sure somebody wanted to write a book. The seven reasons why... Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth haven't had children. I'm going to tell you something. We better be careful how we judge people's seasons because there are suddenlies coming when God does what God has always said he will do and God turns around. If you've got a prodigal, faithful one, hold on. There's a swoosh coming. If you've got something you're believing for and it hadn't come, hold on. There's a swoosh coming. If you're somewhere standing in the gap and not knowing whether go left or right, hold on. God will make things clear. Someone give him praise. And all the things the Bible doesn't say gives us reason to think what it might could have said. Imagine them going to church and they sing, his promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness to me. I'm still in your hand. And they'd leave that church service, get on their camel, ride for home. And Elizabeth will look over at Zacharias and say, I've got hope again. I mean, they're only 30. i got hope, don't you? I believe that God's going to do what God said He's going to do. They go back to another prayer meeting. Someone gives them a word. Hold on, don't give up. That prodigal is coming home. But for them, it was having a child. It's going to happen. But then they go back home and tears and frustrations. Can I get a witness from anybody in the room? And questions. Every time they had to attend a baby shower for a child, they went home and cried. If they'd had Facebook or IG, they would have done like what a lot of us do. Oh yeah, I'm going to like your post, but my heart's breaking that that's not happening for me. Can I get a witness? I'm going to like your post, but I'm telling you what's going on with me. I mean, I have to watch myself even this season, watching couples giving honor, I'm happy for them, but I'm not really up for that right now. Are you tracking with me? Because of walking out my own pain. But it's that graciousness that says, even though I feel like I'm going up in a tornado in my circumstances, speaking of you, and I'm waiting on God, I'm gonna hold on to what God said, and I'm gonna hold on that if God's in the neighborhood, God is headed to my door. Someone give him praise this morning. I'm gonna hold on. And like a long desert road. Pastor and I used to drive long desert roads and we were evangelists. And I was just, he'd be asleep sometimes. And I'm thinking, if I could just see any life out here. I mean, you going from the east to the west across New Mexico, Arizona, into the valley they call the va- desert valley of California. It's like there is nothing living out here. And sometimes that's the way we feel. Amen. I'm seeing no road signs. I'm seeing no inclinations. I'm seeing no life, but I know your promise still stands. And sometimes it's like Dorothy and our circumstances pick us up like we're in that house in that tornado, but still we got to reach out and hold on to every good and precious promise from the most high God as individuals, as families, as a church. We got to hold on to what God said because when God said he knew every situation and circumstance he knew every valley and every trial and his promise still stands give god a hand clap of praise so here they are in the meantime you just wonder if zacharias could stand and give his 45 minute story and elizabeth what they might say to us i just wanted to give up my heart just breaks. i'm just discouraged I got tired of waiting. You know, the important thing we've said around here a long time is the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had waited on him. Got the wrong job because you were desperate. You married the wrong person because you didn't give God time to do what he wanted to do. That hopelessness that makes us think that God can't untangle the mess we're in. And so we get tired of waiting. God often ignores our schedule. And when Zacharias and Elizabeth, I'm gonna, they were very old. Someone say very old. You've been told this before. When the Bible says you're old, you're really old. (laughs) That doesn't mean 60 years, okay? It means like 90 for sure. They were very old. And often I've heard parishioners through the years of pastoring these 30 years to say, I'm going to tell you what, especially the real movers, if God doesn't speak to me by 5 p.m., and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> let me just back up two steps right here. If God doesn't do this by tomorrow, I'm leaving her. And I'm like, whoa, well, you just go ahead and leave her because God is not going to submit to your time schedule. Come on. If God doesn't do this or that, we cannot organize God and put him on our timetable God waited to give Zacharias and Elizabeth what he wanted to give because it was connected to other kingdom purposes it was going to give him greater glory the way he did it than it to come a normal time so I'm going to tell you today he is the Alpha he's the Omega he's the first and last the beginning and the end he's the keeper of creation and the creator of it all he's the architect of the universe and the ruler of all times he always was he always is and he always will be a Moved, unchanged, undefeated, and never outdone. Someone give him glory this morning. Come on. In the meantime, you have to learn to wait. Henry Newman writes an incredible passage, a great scholar I love to read, that um, he went and traveled with a trapeze group. And he traveled with them for a season. And he said he noticed something about the trapeze artist. There's the flyer. Everyone say the flyer. And the catcher. And if you've ever watched Trapeze, the flyer will say, you know, men or women, they will fly out on their bar and then for a second they'll let go until the catcher catches them and takes them to the other side. He said, I learned that there had to be a special trusting relationship. I mean, if the flyer and the catcher got mad at each other in dinner, everybody was scared. You know what I mean? And if the catcher told the flyer, I'll see you, and mm-mm mm, you know, and all that, and threw something at him, everybody was scared in the circus because they thought, This is not gonna be good. Someone say, Not good. Because there's that moment when the flyer she's holding or he is holding the bar all the way to right here and then they let go of the bar and there's just a second that they're suspended into nothingness. That nothing is holding them and all that they're waiting on is for the catcher to grab them and take them to the other side. I'm going to tell you Zacharias and Elizabeth and you and I often feel in the meantime between the promise and its fulfillment that we are suspended in the moment. That we're suspended in wonder. That we're suspended seeming like God is not going to do it. But one thing we know, it is no ordinary man that's catching us when we are flying on the faith of his word. When we are, it looks like we're suspended. We know it's the most high God that Pastor Hank used to say can fly faster than you can fall. And he's always going to get us to the other side. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In that waiting, number one, you learn to wait. And you learn to serve in the meantime. It's crucial. Waiters serve, theoretically and literally. Maybe they stood on Psalms 90 and 15, when I'm speaking over our church and our, the church world. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us see your miracles again. Let our children see your glory. May the Lord God show us his approval. Can I get an amen? So you wait. The next thing you do is do the right thing. Look at your neighbor and say, do the right thing. Even though you don't understand. One thing we know is they arrive in Luke. and and, In just a minute, an angel is going to show up and give them the great news, if you know the story. But one thing we know, they're in Luke because they had to have done the right thing. Sometimes all you can do when you're waiting and you're in the meantime is do the next right thing. Commit to goodness. When your heart is breaking, give someone a warm greeting. When things are going bad and you're discouraged, do an act of kindness. Give a gift. Be gracious. Serve. Clean someone's toilet. Can I get an amen? Come serve in children's ministry. Give a soft answer to wrath because that kind of graciousness and goodness when you're hurting, I'm going to tell you, being in a season that I've seen people flabbergasted at His graciousness in me, it wakens people up like a strong cup of coffee, like an orange juice glass full of pulp. You ever drank that? I mean, you can almost choke on all that pulp. Real authentic Christianity, the goodness that comes from God, not from man. One young man said to Jesus, good teacher, and Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. But it is His kindness and His goodness. you don't know what to do do the next right thing someone give God a hand clap of praise because I want to tell you Isaiah 48 and 18 speaks of this it says if you will hearken unto my commands then your peace will be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. When you go out the waves of the sea just keep going out and they keep coming in and I'm going to tell you something every time you do a righteous act an act of kindness, an act of unselfishness, an act of something that's just really out of the goodness of your heart, those are like waves before the throne room hitting the very feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and it reminds God that you're in it to win it, that in the meantime you're going to keep doing the right thing. You may not understand, but you're rising above your circumstances and you're standing in the face of disappointments. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, give him a good hand clap of praise. Before we get to the miracle and how that's going to encourage you. They dealt with their disappointments. You see, disappointments come to lead you in discouragement. Discouragement comes to lead you into despair. It's a vicious pyramid and it will do that. Three healthy ways to deal with disappointment is to mourn and release what hasn't happened. Everyone say mourn. Oh, we shouldn't mourn. Oh, the word says, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. It's okay to cry about losses (laughs) in your life. Everyone say "It's it's okay. It's okay to cry about what you feel is something that you didn't want to happen. But then you've got to release it to the Lord. And then you've got to adjust your expectations. And the third one is the most important one. Get moving. Look at your neighbor and say, get moving. Because I want to tell you discouragement and disappointments have one target. And it's this. Listen to me. To get you not to fulfill your assignment here on earth. It's to get you off your place. To keep you of that which is to come. We often say the enemy is not fighting you over what has been in your life. He's fighting you over what shall be. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's fighting you over what is to come. What if Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were gonna have this great miracle that's gonna open up the whole New Testament, what if they had not been there that day? What if they had let disappointment and discourage them, beat them up, and they'd gotten out of their place? You see, I want you to say with me, disappointment is a tripwire. And what that means is we often knee-jerk to disappointments and we pull back the reins of our faith. Listen, there's no one in this room that has not been disappointed before. There is no one in this room that has not faced immense discouragement before. And what it wants to do is it wants you to pull back and it doesn't want you to go forward. So we knee jerk and we pull the reins back on faith. And all of a sudden, we don't want to believe for anything else. We don't want to ask for anything else. We don't want to have confidence for anything because something has disappointed us. Or maybe a person has disappointed us or a situation has disappointed us. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that those who hope in the Lord will rise to new strength, to new hope and new victory can I get an amen in 1911 Swiss psychologist by the name of Edward Edward Clipper everyone say Edward Clipper say it like that he was 40 he was working with a 47 year old patient who had no short-term memory at all He was a psychologist he knew what he was dealing with and he would shake her hand at the end of every session but she had no short-term memory at all none But then he started to do an experiment, and he put a pin in his hand. You know, one of those, remember those things you used to get, and you shake someone's hand, and it pricks them? And he started shaking her hand, and it would prick her. But she had no short-term memory. But she began to refuse his handshake because the residue pain kept her from reaching out. And it was a phenomenal discovery. How does that affect us? It affects us in this way. Disappointment wants to pinprick you. It wants you to keep from reaching out. If you knew how many times I've resigned and told Pastor Hank, I'm not preaching anymore. Oh, you'd be shocked if you know how many times he told me that. If you know how many times I said that about Wednesday night. And he'd say, Rhonda, just Rhonda, Rhonda, let's just go to bed. Come on. Come on. Just pick yourself up because we get disappointed it may may, me it's maybe preaching or doing something else we get overwhelmed and then we stop reaching out that's what disappointment wanted to do to Zacharias and Elizabeth all those years that things were not adding up the enemy would didn't know what God was going to do but what he was hoping is I can just throw them off the assignment if Zacharias is not there when the angel shows up then John can't be born and Jesus can't come but I'm going to tell you We've got to be those that say, I don't care how many times I'm disappointed. I'm going to keep doing the right thing. And after after, bleh, I get it. after asking the Lord, why did this happen? I'm going to move to what now Lord what would you have me do now Lord we just sit at the why, and it's okay to ask why but if you build there that little tent you become like the lepers that were sitting there and finally they said why just sit here till we die let's get up and go what we've got to learn is that God's the only one that can make the bad things work to good and what we've got to say is What would you have me to do now, Lord? I'm standing in a place I never saw myself to standing. I'm battling things. I'm facing things. It's in the meantime what I thought would have happened hadn't happened. I don't even know anymore. Can I get an amen? So here I am. Someone say, I don't even know. I don't even know. But what you land is, I am going, God, to remember that you're all-powerful. You're the God of the universe. You are not just 50% for us or 75% for us, but you are are hundred percent for us. I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep reaching out. I may have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I may call and cry and I may mourn and I may look pitiful and I may look sad and I may get mad. Come on, somebody. And I may want to cut off everybody and everything. And I may pull the curtains for a day and say, I'm not going out. But the Lord help me when the sun comes up in the morning, I get back up on my feet put my boots back on, walk out the front door and say, you may have disappointed me, earth. You may have caused me pain. You may have put me in the meantime. But one day there's a suddenly coming and I know God will fulfill everything he's promised. Somebody give him praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. The tragic thing is to be caught up in your own personal agenda and miss your kingdom assignment. That's what the enemy does. Because let's face it, when you look at a picture and, and there's a group, who do you look at first? Yourself. You're gonna go, oh, I'm going to see how Betty looks first. Who cares how I look? No, you're going to look and say, did they filter me? They didn't filter me good. I'm texting her right now. I say, take that down off of social media now. <laughs> Fix it. You know how many pictures I have rebuked my children for, and telling, them, if you put that on social media, I'm walking out of this house right now. <laughs> anyway. But we're kind of inside our own brain. But thank God they weren't. So let me go back to reading Luke so we can get to the miracle. Someone say, so we can get to the miracle. One day Zacharias was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot. Everyone say by lot. To enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying what I love about this is there was 18,000 priests and the lot fell to him on this day God had this all planned and all of a sudden it says someone say it says while Zacharias was in the sanctuary an angel of the Lord appeared to him named Gabriel everyone say Gabriel standing to the right of the altar and the angel said don't be afraid Zacharias God has heard your prayer your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness. Someone say, Great joy and gladness comes after the meantime. You have great, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. I love, Chris, if you'll come to help me. I'm not quite done, but just come to set that atmosphere for me. I love that that suddenly shows up, that an angel taps Zacharias on the shoulder. Let me tell you that the last thing you do before we get to the ending is you be faithful. You be faithful. You keep showing up. Zacharias showed up even though he was living in the meantime. He showed up to do what God had called him to do. Look at your neighbor and say, show up. Look at your neighbor and say, show up. You see, the God of the unlikely had beat the odds. The God of the unlikely had a miracle. But Zacharias and Elizabeth were saying, nevertheless, I'm going to keep showing up i'm going to keep being faithful i'm going to tell you something an angel tapped him on the shoulder on the day he did not expect it in fact that was not supposed to happen let me tell you what went on in that moment they put a rope around the priest's ankle you only got to go in there one time in your life and if you drop dead because you offered strange fire the people outside dragged your carcass outside come on somebody Wouldn't that be interesting if we did that in our worship and we had to put ropes around your ankle? And if you weren't worshiping right, we're going to just drag your carcass out into the lobby. Someone say, Thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus fulfilled that, Jesus became the high priest. Jesus has now ascended, Hebrews 4, and has hold, we hold firmly to the faith we possess. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. He fulfilled that. Give Christ a hand this morning. Come on. Blameless but barren. Well advanced in years. And then a suddenly, it reminds me of Brownsville Revival. They had been praying for revival for so many years, for an awakening. They'd gotten kind of sad about it. And John Kilpatrick, the pastor, said on that morning he had a special guest, Steve Hill, and he told his wife, I don't feel like going this morning. I'm just beyond myself. I'm sad. I'm discouraged. She said, well, you've got a special speaker. You wouldn't have to go, but I think it would help the people if you went. He said he went that morning just to be faithful. Someone say faithful. He didn't feel it, he didn't have the faith for it, but he showed up. What happened that morning is legendary because the Spirit of the Lord hit without any warning. He took over that service without any warning, which led to months of one of the most massive revivals upon planet Earth. It was so massive that they say, John Kilpatrick and others give testimony that they were, everybody was just laying on the floor thousands of people. And they finally brought the children in at 2.30. God bless the children's worker, amen. Children's worker finally said, what in the world's going on out there? We're going to go see. And they brought in the children. And they said they could hear the children. A lot of them were laying on the floor praying in the spirit and kneeling. weren't even looking up. They couldn't look up. And they could hear the children when they hit and walked into the sanctuary. They could hear them. They immediately started crying and saying, Jesus. I mean, these are just Jesus. And they just started crying and wailing because the presence of God had engulfed them. He wasn't going to go to church that morning, but he decided to be faithful. Look at your neighbor and say, Be faithful. What would you do in the meantime when the angel says to Gabriel, You are going to have a son, and then your prayer has been heard? If God said today, Your prayer has been heard. What would that prayer be? That's the miracle of Advent. God is listening. This is the season of miracles. What would that mean for you? What would be too good to be true if God said, today, I've answered your prayer after years of seemingly not knowing anything that God was doing. And then Zacharias said, how can I know this will happen? He got very much rebuked by Gabriel for that. Because an angel appeared. Here's a word to the wise. If an angel appears and tells you something, don't say, I don't know how that's going to happen. Don't get sassy. I don't see that. Who told you that? Uh, uh, First of all, he says, fear not. So we know it was awesome. But Zacharias, this this is the coolest thing. Zacharias had given up on the prayer. I want you to get this because he said, your prayers heard. And Zacharias said, what prayer, what prayer, what prayer? The prayer. Yeah, I prayed that when I was 25 and we got married. I prayed that when I was 30 and I was 35 and I was 40 and I was 45 and I was 50, 55, 60. But here we are and my wife is beyond the season is what that means. And we know what that means. She's beyond that. That's impossible. And it's beyond me too. God has a peculiar fashion for showing up and saying, I want to get the glory out of this. I want to do something in your life that people have to say, only God could have done that. And the angel says, I am Gabriel. When an angel says that, it means like back up. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, someone say, but now? Since you don't believe what I said, you're going to be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the right time. Someone say the right time. The Lord is saying to all of us this morning, his word will be fulfilled. Are you believing for a spouse? Are you believing for a prodigal? Are you believing for a calling? Are you believing for a job? Are you believing for a ministry? Are you believing for a healing? God says his words will be fulfilled at the right time. Gather up your strength, regardless of disappointments. Not only just doing the right thing, but open yourself up to believe once again that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we would ask, think, or hope. Somebody give him a shout of praise. A lot of people are not sure about all this, why Gabriel did that. But Gabriel did it out of kindness, Cheryl. Gabriel put a muzzle on his mouth. A lot of times Pastor Hank and I'll be going through things and one of us will look at each other and go, What that many duct tape my mouth if I say one more word. If I get into unbelief and doubt and I say stupid things. Psalms 39, David said, I will put a muzzle on my mouth. I like to think duct tape. I will put a muzzle on my mouth so I don't let the words of my mouth or the meditation of my heart displease the Lord who is worthy of praise, who is worthy of doing things. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And if you don't know what to say, do what Jesus Christ said. It says that when he stood before Pilate, he opened not his mouth. He had the power and the authority to call 12 legions of demons. That's se- angels, sorry. That's 72- <laughs> 72... Don't be calling those demons, people. That's another show. Not here today. Um, he had the power and the authority to call 12 legions. Someone say 72,000. 72,000 angels to his defense. But he didn't. That's not weakness. That is Strength. You think it's weakness not to snap back with your mouth. You think it's weakness not to say, well, I told her, I told him, I I did this, I did that. No, strength is shutting your mouth up and not saying a word and just standing there in faith. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What he didn't know was how was this possible? But here's what I can tell you this morning. We don't understand how food is converted to energy. We don't understand how that greasy cheeseburger you're gonna to eat today and chase it down with a chocolate shake and two portions of fries. Come on, somebody. is converted into drive your body with fuel. No one understands that, but it doesn't stop you from eating the cheeseburger. You see, the point is if we're only to experience that which we can understand, we are going to live empty lives. You don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and gives white milk and produces yellow butter, but it happens every day come on you can't explain electricity but if you were to say i am not in my house i am not turning on my light i'm gonna sit in darkness until i theoretically understand exactly how electricity works from the power grid to my house would you rather sit in darkness until you understand the mystery of electricity no, you flip that baby on without even thinking about it. Can I get an amen? It's the same thing with us and God. Would you rather sit in darkness and not know what God is doing or how he's going to do it or would you rather step up to the plate, turn the light on, eat the cheeseburger and say I don't understand how he could do it. I don't know what he will do. I don't know when he'll do but I know he's the God of the unlikely who delights in defying the odds. Someone Give him praise. And before I end, you know what happened. He he saved Zacharias. Sometimes you just need to ask the Lord, "Help me, cover my mouth. Help me, Lord, help me not to say the wrong thing. Cover my mouth, Holy Spirit. Whether it's doubt or unbelief or cruelness of tongue, help me, Holy Spirit, just to hold my words. I don't have to think every thought that falls into my head. Can I get an amen? But the angel saved him. Sometimes I think the Lord saves us when he just says, shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Because he knows we're just bubbling up sometimes with doubt and unbelief. I've learned sometimes there's some things you could just say to the Lord right inside your mind because he reads all your thoughts. The miracle is God kept him silent and that baby was born. And that baby was John, the very Baptist, who said, Make way for the will of the Lord and the way of the Lord. That boy was born. And they said, What shall be his name? And it was a riot. It was a ritual. It was a regulation that you named your son after yourself. But John couldn't speak. And they said, What was his name being? He wrote it out. John. And everybody say, Why, John? And all of a sudden, his mouth was opened. I'm going to tell you something. God had them wait so God could get the glory and the glory alone. God had them wait. So when the miracle happened, no doctor, no man, no uh, technician, no psychologist could get the glory. All of these people may play a part in our miracles. All these people may use their tools and their work to get us to where we go. But I'm going to tell you, God is determined that God gets the glory alone. That when you stand on the other side of in the meantime, you say, it was not my wisdom. It was not my skill. It was not my cuteness that did this. It was God and God alone. There is no glory in my own wisdom. There is no power in my strength, but I will boast in knowing the Lord. And that's the only thing we're going to boast in. Someone give him a praise. Sometimes God waits. In the meantime, he says to you, I'm working out everything for good." In the meantime, he's saying, do the next right thing. Even when your heart is hurting and you're mad. And the promise is not there. Rejoice with others who are receiving what you're praying for. Because as we always said, and I taught in the book of James, grief and joy often dance together. And while someone is rejoicing, your heart is grieving. But when you're rejoicing, someone else will be grieving. Do the next right thing. That baby brought great joy, but it brought a way for the Messiah. You and I are called on this earth to bring forth Jesus to this earth. It may look different for you. It may look different for me. In the meantime, when you're not seeing things come together, when that job was not offered to you, we rejoice over it. When you didn't get the promotion, when everything is murky in your family, when you've been waiting so long for that prodigal child to come home, but God gave you the promise. In the meantime, trust in the giver of good gifts. Trust in the one who said it. Don't let disappointment jerk your hand back because that's going to put you in a pit he'll have to pull you out of but begin to lift up your eyes the Hebrews eleven eleven says of Sarah that she received strength to conceive the seed that was another miracle and she bore a child when she was past age someone say past age I love it that she judged him faithful well, maybe Zacharias and Elizabeth began to not judge their circumstance not judge their situation and not judge themselves let me tell you something you stop bullying yourself discouragement will bully you despair will bully you stop bullying yourself and say well if I had just done this or that the promise will be here I'm not doing enough I'm not giving enough I'm going to tell you something when you've done all you can do you stand because it's not by might it's not by power but it is the spirit of the Lord who brings the miracle somebody praise him maybe she began to look up and see the one who created the stars. As I close, hang with me, I want to pray over you. She saw him carving canyons, then she saw him carving skins for Adam and Eve. Zacharias and Elizabeth, they judged him faithful. Then Zacharias and Elizabeth maybe remembered Noah and how the flood waters rose and the earth was about to be destroyed. But God shut them up and saved them and they judged him as faithful. Maybe then they remembered the Red Sea and how he parted it and they walked through on dry ground when nobody expected. In the middle of the miracle, Pharaoh chases them in. But God's not only in the beginning and the end of your miracle, he's in the middle of your miracle. In the meantime, when you think the waters are going to crash in, and they judge him as faithful. Someone say faithful. Maybe they then saw him rebuilding his people time and time again and they judged him as faithful so today what can we do we can see Jesus as faithful despite the hindrances despite humanity despite Herod Jesus broke forth despite the barrenness of Zacharias and Elizabeth John was born on time at the right day and Zacharias was at the right place at the right time judge him faithful that you don't have to have anybody to connect you. God can get you before the right person at the right time in the right way. He alone can do it. Can you say amen? Come on, give him praise. And we judge him faithful who heals the blind, who raised the dead. We judge him faithful who stretched out his arms on Calvary and gave his life for us. In the meantime, we look up we judge Him faithful, and we believe if God before us, He is more than the world against us. Stand up and give Him the best praise you've given Him all morning. Come on. Come on. Stand up and give Him the best praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. We bless your name, Jesus, as every eye is closed. Father, a lot of in the meantime in this room this morning and those listening by podcast. A lot of in the meantime, in the in-between time. Lord, this morning you have challenged us to do the next right thing, to be faithful, to not let disappointment keep us from reaching back out, to stand and to believe. Lord, this morning what you're birthing in us individually and as family and as a church is beyond our comprehension. In the meantime, while we are faithful and we do your work, we await the great awakening. We await the return of many prodigals all over the nation. We await to see your goodness in so many situations, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. Lord, if you this morning were to have an angel show up before them and say, your prayer has been heard, what would that prayer mean, Lord? What would that prayer be? God, would you encourage them this morning that you do hear that prayer? You didn't tell Zacharias which prayer he prayed or how he did that got your attention because you don't want our attention on methods of man. You want our attention on you. God, you're birthing a way for Christ in the earth through every man and woman in this room, through their jobs, through their ministries, through their vocations and their family. Lord, I pray in the meantime, they would not withdraw, but they would stand up and they would stand forward. And while things are murky in other areas, that they would begin to believe you for that which is impossible. Father, we ask that in the name of Jesus. Now, if you would just find someone's hand and, and take it and just have a moment of prayer with them, you can just hold it and pray or you can face them, whatever you're comfortable with. Just pray over what their situation is right now, right now. Just go ahead and find somebody. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, lift up your voices. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for whatever prayer my brother or sister is believing for.